T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Home and home. Yeah, yeah, it is a finished strong Friday edition of a home and home here on radio.com sports, the radio.com app, Ross Tucker, Jason Mertides, we are with you and we are talking about all things sports television today. Would you rather go to the game or would you rather watch it from your couch? And do you really care? who the broadcaster is when you're watching a game. Does it actually make a difference in whether or not you will watch that contest? I'm Ross Tucker. He is Jason Mertides. We are with you until 10.30 a.m. Eastern time. We've got a couple of TV on sports gurus, Michael McCarthy and Jimmy Trainer, that will join us later. We also will have a millennial segment where we'll find out how wrong they are on yet another topic, the young people of America. (laughs) This one is sports television. Maybe they can teach a couple old guys like me and Jason uh, some new tricks. Jason, I notice I like it with the theme of home and home that you are home today. I see many leather-bound books in the background. Uh, Yeah, I've finally embraced the home and home theory and stayed home. So you're in Harrisburg, I'm in Westchester, outside of Philadelphia, and it's nice. I like being at home. This is a little different than driving into Center City. So okay, I'm so, I, so so now that I got the full shot, that's actually like a really really weak bookshelf, dude. Like I was it's only getting the corner of it, and I thought it was like all. I thought everything to the left of you, your right, was like books and books. And then when we actually show it, that is the wimpiest, weakest, saddest bookshelf I've ever seen. Well, what just, is the purpose of that thing? It's just a float. I don't even know if the books are real, to be honest with you. And my closet's right there, by the way. <laughs> um, no, it's just this is where my wife works. This is her workspace. So when she does, she does all of her meetings on Zoom because she works 100% remote. So when they, they just see the part there. That's that's a good job by me. I didn't waste any extra space doctoring up a fake set at home. That is my funny, fat man. Head locks the closet door right now. <laughs> all right, so let me ask you this, though. In all sincerity, I have a strong opinion on this. When's the last time that you read a book? Uh, the last time might be the first time. No, I haven't read a book since probably high school and maybe early in high school. 
maybe like the Canterbury Tales by Chaucer when I went to Malvern in like eighth grade, probably. I was never much of a reader. I'm reading disabled. So I, I have, uh, in high school, I, in high school, you were just like straight cliff notes. No, I just made it up as I went along. I didn't even go cliff notes. I didn't read the cliff notes. You had to read more. Wow, you didn't even read the cliff notes, and how? What? What did you get on your like English tests? As long as I could hear something, I could learn it. So, I, I'm an auditory learner, uh, but I have I have mild forms of dyslexia, and so I was I was technically reading disabled, and I just I got ADHD. I can't concentrate on reading a book. I I retain nothing when I read a book. Wow, that's interesting because I. If I read something, it is over. Now, I don't think I'm the fastest reader. I'm like a thorough reader. But if I read something, I remember that like forever. I remember my freshman year at Princeton, I had read the media guide from the year before, you know, the yearbook, the media guide or whatever. So, and especially after I committed there, I probably read it, you know, a couple times, flip through it to see the guys on the team, where they're from. We would be on away games because my freshman year, every game was an away game because they tore down Palmer Stadium and they were building our new stadium. So every week we were on these long bus rides to Cornell and Dartmouth or whatever. And the guys were amazed, Jason. I knew, first of all, not only did I know all of their names, which is kind of rare when you're a true freshman and there's a hundred guys in the team. I knew where all of them were from, what high school they went to. And they just couldn't believe it. Cause a lot of these guys, like they knew each other for years and they couldn't name it on the spot like that. So they'd be like, talk, talk, Ross, 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 do him, do him. And I'd be like, uh, that's Mike Thomas, uh, Michael Thomas. He is from Hickory, North Carolina. By the way, Michael Thomas, I think, was the fourth or fifth string center. I think he was a walk-on. And he really is from Hickory, North Carolina. And that's one of my frustrations in life. We really, like, if God was ever going to redesign us, we got to have a delete button somewhere or an eject button for information in your brain that is just such a waste that you don't need it all. Cause I'd love to get rid of that and like learn some new stuff. Like I don't need that anymore. Yeah. But your brain power is infinite. You have infinite brain space, don't you? Cause you're still remembering things. Like if you looked at a dinner menu last night, could you remember everything that was on it? All the things you considered? It's not taking um, up that space from you. I, I would remember a decent amount. Yeah. Like they, I, people say, I don't think this is true, but they say that I have like a borderline photographic memory. I don't mm. think that's true. I just think I have a really, really good memory if I, if I read something, but here's my point. Here's my question. To you okay. Who has time to read books nowadays? Like no matter what industry you are in, okay, there's always so much new information and so many periodicals and the internet that I don't know 
how you ever have time to actually read a book or, or that, or at least that that's the most efficient usage of your time. Like right now, right? There's never a time where on my phone, I don't have at least five or six web browsers open. And Mm -hmm. usually it's more than that, right? So I have one that I haven't read. It's been open for weeks. What's the best streaming service for a sports fan 2020 edition from Awful Announcing? I haven't read that yet. Very relevant for our conversation today. Uh, Next one from Vox. Daily, um, the growth of daily, the rise of daily fantasy and sports betting has created an economy of its own. Haven't read that. Uh, Men's health. What's the difference between a cold or allergies? That's just, I was just curious about that one. On the road again from the athletic one day in the life of an NFL area scout from Bo Wolf who covers the Eagles. I haven't read that yet. Pro football talk. NFL expects huge in cash influx from next wave of TV deals. Again, very relevant for my job, the show we're talking about today, which by the way, the projections are that it's about $880,000 per player. Wow. So $3.2 billion in total dollars, $100 million each team. That comes out to the 48.5%, $880,000 per player. Let's go ahead and turn that thing down. Uh, 2020 NFL Combine, offensive linemen running backs work out Friday. Just to see like who I should be paying attention to tonight. Sure. My point is, right? My point is, I never get to the bottom of the web browsers. And I read a lot. Like, I read at night when I go to bed. And when I'm on the elliptical, like this morning, I did 25 minutes on the stepper, 30 minutes on the bike. Not to brag or anything. Um, And I was reading, or at least on my laptop, the entire time. Okay? But I still didn't get all the way to the bottom. It's like a book. A book. Like, I, I, to me, I feel like if I read a book... The book is from a while ago. Like, I got shit I need to read now, dude. You know what I mean? Like, I, I got shit I need to read for tomorrow, or I need to read for next week or for my life now. Like, what book am I going to read? Nancy well, Drew? About, like, Huckleberry? Well, what, about, like, what the hell book am I going to read? But there's new books out, Ross. They're still writing books. They didn't stop writing books at the turn of the century with Mark okay, Twain. Okay, but give me give me give me an give me an example of a book I should read. Like I get Pelican. sent books, right? I get sent books like Tom Coughlin, you know, Earn the Right to Win or you know, Gary Myers, and I love these guys. Like I, I and I would love to read that book. I'll put it on my list for when I'm 74. Or maybe maybe if I'm on like a week long beach vacation, but even then, I'm keeping up to date with what's going on in the world, and I'm reading stuff off my phone. It interests you more. It interests you. Like, the one thing you'll never hear me say, like, I always I always have these little phrases, like, it's said no one ever. Like, I've never said, and I, and I despise people who say, well, the book was better than the movie. Bullshit. A book is never better than the movie. You know what I mean? For me. Because I can't pay attention to the book. I'd rather just sit down in a really comfortable couch chill out 
and watch the movie. Why put in work? Why do I need to work to be entertained? The book is never better than the movie for me. So it's, it's kind of like what we're talking about in sports today is being there live better than, you know, watching it on TV. And I can be really comfortable at home or I can be jammed into a seat at the stadium and sit in traffic and pay inflated, pre- inflated prices for a beer and a hot dog or a soft pretzel. But no, I, the reading thing, it just loses me. Now, I know a lot of people are into these books on tape. Have you tried that for like a long drive? Uh, my wife does that. My wife has a long commute to work every day, and mm-hmm. she listens to books on tape and loves them. I, I always mess with her, though, because she says she reads the book. She's like, uh, yeah, I read that book. I'm like, when did you read that book? I'm next oh, to you in bed at night. She listened to the book. It's she, um, she, she's like, the book on tape. I'm like, nah, 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 nah. That's Can't not reading the book. That is not reading the book. That is listening to the book, which is well, that, acceptable. But, dude, she loves it. That's all she does. I got her. I forget. Subscription is one thing. All she, she never listens to me. She doesn't care about me. She listens to books on tape up and back, like to the point where she'll get in the driveway sometimes, like in the garage, and she'll sit there for a little bit to like finish the out. chapter or to finish <laughs> whatever. Um, you bring up a good point, though. About TV. Now, I will say most people will tell you if they did take the time to read a book, they enjoy that, number one. And number two, it is always going to be better than the movie for someone that took the time to read the book because the book's always going to have so much greater detail than the movie. You know, like a book would be like a 15-hour movie. A movie, they cut down to an hour and a half, so there's always going to be greater detail. But I'm with you. I don't have time for that. We do have a couple of very interesting questions, though, that I want to get into. Today is all about sports on television. The first 14 minutes, me me ranting about books notwithstanding. And our first question is an interesting one, the poll question, which is, do the broadcasters make a difference in whether or not you watch a game? Now, he is at Jason Mert, M-Y-R-T on Twitter. I'm at Ross Tucker, NFL. The show is at RDC, home and home. Do the broadcasters make a difference in whether or not you watch a game? Jay, I'll start with you before I even get to the poll results. What did you answer, yes or no, and why? Uh, Well, because of what we do for a living, sometimes, most of the time, we have to watch the game, so... I can't. I don't know if I could say I don't watch a game because so and so is on it. If it's a purely pleasure situation where it's not for preparation for what we do for a living, then then yeah, it does affect whether I'll watch it. And there are certain guys that when they're on games, if I have to watch it, I'm miserable because they're doing the game, or uh, I, I will turn it off. There's there's just guys that I can't stand the way they call a game, um, and it's weird because some of them I liked at one time but don't like anymore. But it absolutely affects my enjoyment of a game without question. That's It's not even close. And a lot of times it's because, Ross, when you hear a certain announcer on an NFL game, the game feels like a donkey game if you get announcer crew D. But if you get, you know, the the Buck and Aikman team, you know it's a big game. You're going, oh, this is, it's got a feel to it. You're going, this is Eagles-Cowboys or this is, you know, Packers-Rams, a big game. Bears, you know, Vikings. 
the big game just because of the announcers feels bigger because of they're doing the game. But when I turn it on and I see, you know, and not to disparage Chris Myers, he sucks, um, and Tiki Barber, the Barber twins, when they're doing a game, it's like Carolina versus, you know, the Giants, and they're both got three wins through week 12. And I go, this game sucks. And there's nothing that they, they can't polish that turd because it's just a, it's a crappy game. So it affects me a lot, um, and there's a lot of guys that I don't like. And there's some announcers that are extremely popular that I don't like. They're just they just not my cup of tea. Like Doc Emmerich is a guy that does does hockey. He's the the number one hockey guy in the United States, and I don't enjoy his call. He's a really nice man. I know him personally, but I don't like the way he calls a game. Um, so it, it annoys me. But I don't turn it off a lot because I'm a junkie. But I, it does affect my enjoyment of the sport for sure. Okay, so number one for me, the answer is no. If I'm watching a game, I'm watching a game because I want to see those two teams play. I'm not going to watch it because there's a certain announcer. And I'm not going to not watch it because there's a certain broadcaster. So that's number one for me. Now, I think some are better than others for sure. Oh, yeah. um, and I happen to really like Doc Emmerich. Like, he gets me... And, I, and I've heard people say that he calls the game on television like he's doing radio. Very descriptive, and that, yeah. And that some people don't like that. For me, I, I think it's magnificent, and he gets me pumped up. One of the things that you said, which is very true, but I don't like it, is that you said, you know, if it's the number one crew, then you know it's a big game. If it's a number four or five crew, then it's like, ah, it's a donkey game. You know, I that's because of their roles. In other words, I don't I don't personally think the number one color guy or number one play-by-play guy is necessarily the best for all the networks at all. Not at all. But you're right that it does feel like a bigger game when it's Nance Romo or whoever, Buck Aikman, but that's because they're the number one team, so they always put them on those games. I don't think that they're necessarily each individual guy or even as a team that they're really the number one team. Okay. Like I think well, some that, of, that I think some of like the right? four and five crews are are really good. They just it's tough for them to move up. You know, they just these other guys are kind of entrenched. Yeah. And it's sometimes, a lot of times, it's just name brand recognition, which is another question I would have, which is, does that matter to you? Like, how, how good of a player the guy was or how well-known the player is? Do you take notice to that? Um, I guess initially you do because it's human nature, right? If you watch a guy, you're going to value someone's opinion more that you saw play really great and have a great career because you're going to go, well, he was a good player. So he, I trust what he's saying more than I trust some guy who was just, you know, wasn't very good. But a lot of times the guys that aren't very good make better announcers because they can, elite athletes don't make like the best of the best in any sport. Don't make two things. They don't make good coaches and they don't make good announcers. Well, why is that? Because they could never explain why they did the things they did. They just were so great that 
it was, you know, it's just it's something that they had in their brain. They don't have to explain how they saw that guy out of the corner of his eye to be able to throw that pass. That was just a gift they were given. It's the guys who had to work their rear ends off to get everything they had in sports and had to pay attention to every little detail in 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 their craft. And they're the ones that notice all the things when they're, you know, an analyst on a game. Like in football, it is true, and this is this is not just because I'm doing the show with you, but linemen are the best analysts in football. Well, why is that? Because it all starts there. And if you don't get that, and the lineman sees everything, and a lineman also has to know, like an offensive lineman also has to know the job of everybody else on the offense. So that's why he's a great analyst, because he knows every element of it. It's rare that a really good player in sports also makes a good coach, because they can't tell players, you know, they just had this innate ability and guys that had to really work hard or weren't that good. Look at the best coaches in the league. Who, who of them was a great player? None. Look in any sport. You know, guys have tried in the NBA. In the Wayne Gretzky tried to coach in the NHL. He couldn't coach his way out of a wet paper bag because he couldn't tell a player how he was able to make that pass because he saw the guy's reflection on the glass. And he made the pass. That's how he knew he was there. You know, there's the, the instinctual thing. You can't coach that. Those guys have it, so they can't coach it. And the same thing goes when they're calling a game. Yeah, I, 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 I find, first of all, a lot of times the, the really elite guys made so much money and it comes so natural to them that they think that that's going to be the case for broadcasting, and it's yeah. not. I, I know works. when I'm watching a game, all I care about is who does the best job. And I'm obviously biased. I wasn't a great player, right? But all I care about is who does the best job of describing what is going on during the game. Because after they show the guy, like after we do our on opening on camera, like, hey, welcome to Lincoln Financial Field or whatever. After that, a lot of times you don't even see the guy again. Yeah. So who cares who it is, like, or what the vo- like, like who is describing what I'm watching the best? So here is the vote so far, Jason. Over 1,100 votes. I'll refresh it right now. Over 1,100 votes. 61% say no, it doesn't make a difference. Wow. 38.8% say yes, it does make a difference. We got a lot of responses. Brad Perry says, no, but it does determine if the game will be on mute or not. You can watch a game on mute? Hmm. I've never done that. This is a Browns account. Says, watch, no. Listen, absolutely. By game five of the Indians Cubs World Series, I couldn't take Joe Buck filleting Kyle Schwarber anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, the thing, they always think they always think that the announcers hate their team in the NFL, you know, because God forbid they're not homers. Right. It's so funny. So seven McKidney says not until this year's Monday Night Football. They were so bad. It became unwatchable. Uh, um, no, but it is appreciated. They make a difference whether or not I have sound on while I watch. No, but when Romo was on, I feel better about watching it. 
Um, no, but they can make a difference in whether or not you enjoy the game, which I think is where you come in. Yeah, that's exactly where I am. You know, the funny thing too is when Romo first started, you know, I was kind of, I was kind of torn. I'm like, wow, this is so different because he wasn't following the um, the, the structured. You know, you have your play-by-play guy, and then you have your analyst. He was kind of just going off whenever he sees this, he says it. And you got to credit Jim Nance because there, I think one of the reasons why Romo has been so successful and why so many people like him, and not everybody does, is because Jim Nance has taken a step back and let Tony shine with the things that he's great at. And that's obviously play recognition, describing the scene and circumstance and what's going to be coming. And clearly he has done his homework because his prognostication ability is through the roof. So at first though, it was kind of like, Hmm, I don't know about this. Is this going to work? Cause it sounded different than any other broadcast than straight guy, you know, uh, Aikman back to pass, you know, the old summer all days. And then John Madden coming, boom, you know, and all that. So it's different, but it's great. And it, maybe it took a little time for people to kind of understand what Romo was doing. But I think you got to give a ton of credit to Jim Nance for stepping back and let Tony Romo be Tony Romo. Yeah, you know what else I think helped Romo? That he never did it before. And that he didn't really follow conventional wisdom or what you're taught to do. Like, you're taught to not really talk before the play. Because you want to allow the play-by-play guy to set up the play, especially in radio, but even in television, you want to let the play-by-play guy set up the play. Romo just goes. Romo, and also, you don't want to step on the play-by-play guy. So a lot of times, the the play-by-play guy is setting up the play. Third and eight. They got three receivers to the right, you know, single back. And so you don't want to be like, I think they're going to blitz here, you know, like, because what if you talk when he's talking? So if anything, because of Romo, I have been more frequently saying stuff before the play, but I still kind of give a hand signal to the play-by-play guy, like, let me get in here, you know, like, I I got something if if you get a chance to finish your sentence setting up the play. I got something interesting, but Romo, it's almost like he didn't know that he didn't know any better. So he would just say what he was thinking before the play and people loved it because he was directing their eyes and he was basically talking through what he would be thinking if he was the quarterback right then, yeah. which was awesome. And people loved it. Cause it's like, okay, now I know what, Dak Prescott or Carson Wentz is thinking right now what they are looking at, at least what they should be looking at. But before that, you're always told, don't really talk before the play. Let the play-by-play guy set it up. Yeah, what he did, it was, you know, we're all voyeurs. We, we see all these things in today's society that are successful because they peel back the curtain, right? And, and especially in sports, because as sports fans, we all want to put our head in the helmet in a way to know what the quarterback's thinking, what he's seeing. And Tony go, you know, oh, look, oh, Jim, look here, the safety's moving down now. He's going to have to get the ball out quick to his hot receiver on the left side, and that's going to be Jason Witten, you know, whatever it might be. And so what Romo has done is he's taken the viewer and putting their head in the helmet. And now 
you go, oh, my God, he's right. Look at this. And then, and then to watch it, and then the credibility has to come in, right? He has to be right a lot for you to really buy it. And Tony Romo's hit rate has been through the roof. Because now, now you see the safety come down. He goes, look at the safety's coming down. It's going to be a zero blitz. And then he's going to have to get the ball out right away. Or he's going to have to check this off to a run. And then it happens. And then when that repeatedly happens, now I'm going, now I'm not just watching the game with Tony Romo. I'm experiencing the game. Because Romo has peeled back the curtain, put my eyes and head inside that helmet. And I've never been in there before. I was never an NFL quarterback. And I kind of like being an NFL quarterback now. Like, this is cool to see these things. And what what he's done as well, Ross, is he's educated people an insane amount to the to the intricacies of playing the position and playing the game. And it, it and it's on both sides of the ball because he's explaining it from a quarterback perspective. He's also explaining it from a defensive perspective. Because the cause and effect of what the defense does affects the quarterback. So it educates people a ton. And I, I think it's been incredible. And, and you're right, he skipped, he either went to broadcast boot camp and fell asleep, or he just skipped going to broadcast boot camp because he's not following the traditional mold of, you know, play-by-play guy and analyst. And it's been really refreshing. It's been awesome. Um, it's been awesome. My big thing is I just want to hear that you love it. I want to be able to tell when you're doing a game that you yeah. realize how fortunate you are to be doing it and that you are having the time of your life, and you love it. And I definitely get that from Romo quite a bit. It is that time, the time of day when we talk about the Ask Reddit question, which we absolutely love here on Home and Home, a radio.com sports original And I don't know if it's the same for you guys, but it looks like I am in slow motion. And now I am frozen. And now I'm speeding up. And now Jason looks normal. Am I normal now, Jason? You didn't look abnormal to me. That's uh, that's your Harrisburg connection, man. Yeah, get it tightened up Got out it. there. All right. Well, <laughs> there, there's definitely a, there's definitely a little bit of a delay, so I'm gonna dive right into the Reddit question of the day, and you can start with your answer. It is home and home, a radio.com sports original, and the question is, men of Reddit, what's the hardest thing to explain to women? Hmm. I have two really good ones, and I think you'll agree on both of them, Ross. The first one is what it's like to be hit or kicked in the balls. Yeah, I mean, that's obvious. Yeah, because they don't have balls. (laughs) Well, here's the thing. Any of these, like literally the responses to all of this should be related to the penis. Like, right, you know, the word, yeah. like, because those are always going to be the hardest things to explain, I feel like, to a woman. Well, there, there's another one that I thought of, and I don't know if you agree with this or not, but the other one that I thought of is you try and explain to, like, your wife or your girlfriend of a long time, like, like, I don't need you to put on, you know, six pounds of war paint. Like, I don't need you to wear a ton of makeup. Like explaining to a woman that they're like, well, I don't want to, I'm not ready. I can't go out looking like this. 
Like, you're fine. I don't need you to be all done up like uh, Donna Karen. You know what I mean? Like, you look fine without makeup. And to try and explain that to a woman, like, they always think they need to be all done up prim and proper. And it's hard to explain to a woman that I don't give a shit whether she has all that makeup on or not. And sometimes I think some women look better without makeup than look better with it. Do you agree with that? Uh, there are some women. I, I don't think there's that many. I think there's some women, and it's primarily women that go overboard or crazy on the makeup. Well, some women, they, they take off their makeup, and you're like, who is that? It looks like a totally different person, right? Yes. Uh, but there's some women you look at, and you go, well, she's just naturally pretty anyway, so she doesn't need all that war paint on. So... um all right, there's some great responses. You saying getting kicked in the balls is a great one. Hitting the balls, you, it's just hard to explain. That yeah. feeling, that they'll never know how it is to explain that feeling. Um, and why why you I've feel had, like you have to take a shit when you get hit in the balls? <laughs> That's the first feeling you get. You're like, I think I have to shit. No, I just... <laughs> so... so um, a couple I thought of are number one, like I've had people, women say this to me, my wife, how do you walk around with a penis? Like, isn't it weird or awkward to have that thing sticking out? And it's like, I don't know any different. It's always been there. And I walk how I walk. It doesn't affect how I walk. It doesn't affect anything it's there but it's it's not an issue but they don't understand that sometimes and then the other thing is you know really at any point in my life i don't think it's hard to explain to women in general now different women are different but in general it's hard to explain to them how important sex is like, it's hard to explain to them that it's like, because not all women are really like that. Some are more than others, but it's like, just like when, you know, when you get really hungry and you need to eat or you get really tired, you need to sleep. Well, sometimes for a man, I don't think very many women feel this, but for a man, you get really something and you really need to something. And it's like hard to explain that. You need to get satiated. Yes, you need <laughs> you need you need a release. You need something, uh, but they don't really understand that one. Some of them, at least. So no, that's maybe just I just married women. It well. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? All right. So here are some of the top answers. Let me give yeah. you one more. Women don't understand that. Your junk is a source of heat. And you can't explain it to them. Like, when it's cold out, where do your hands go? They go right down your drawers. Yeah. It's like it's a fireplace. <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? It's like, well, that's a hand warmer. Like, I don't buy those hand warmers. I just stick my hand down my pants. Um, so Jordan Cohn, one of our millennial producers, has the top answers to this Reddit question. These are good. These are really good. One is... 
Why, I don't know what the heck my best friend is up to in life, even after I was hanging out with him all day. That is true. That yeah. is true. What'd you although, talk about? Nothing. <laughs> although I do ask my friends. I'm, I'm more the girl in that way, I guess. Um, we can hang out with guys all day and not talk about anything personal or of substance. That's true. But even me, I'm more, like I said, I'm more the girl. Like I ask guys about personal and things of substance. Um, the fact that we can ride like in the how, car. How your doesn't... emotions are? What's that? Are you feeling emotional today? You, you broke no, with like No, but I would kind of say like, I, I say to my friends, like, how's the job? Is it getting better, worse, or staying the same? You know, like, how's your wife? How's your kids? How are they? Like, I ask that stuff. Um, well, women don't understand why we call each other names either. Like a sign of affection is like, if you, like I said, Hey Ross, yo fuck face or something like, like that's a sign of affection for us. You know what I mean? Like we have weird ways right. of showing that like, you know, we're cool. And it's usually by ridicule, which is great. You know what? It's so funny that you say that because I thought of this one time, right? The most important people in my life are the people that really didn't give a shit when I was in the NFL and even what doing TV or radio or whatever, they still make fun of me no matter what. You know what I mean? Like there's a, there's a large group of people that treated me different in life when I was in the NFL versus before that, or treated me different, you know, doing TV stuff versus otherwise. But the people that really matter, they just make fun of me no matter what I'm doing. They just make fun of me regardless. They don't care. My my sister, my mom, you know, my uh, my buddies, like I could be starting in the NFL. Everything's going great. And they're bringing up that time in seventh grade where I tried to wave to the girl and I hit my handlebars and I fell over my bike. Like, it, they don't care. Like, they don't – never once did the people that really matter, your family and your close friends, treat you any different because you're in the NFL or you're on TV. You're just Ross to them or whoever, right? Whereas it's everybody else that doesn't really matter – that treats you differently based on what you're doing in life. Yeah, because of your status or what you do for a living. You know, it, it's the people that say, hey, I heard you on the radio. Well, no kidding. That's what I do for a living. You know, it's not some great revelation that I was on the radio today because I was on every day, you know. But, like, it, it is, you're right, the people that are like, they don't give a shit what you do. They're just like, dude, you're still the, the guy I grew up with and you're still a dweeb or whatever, you know. And those are the people that you want to hang out with because they don't give a crap. They don't care about what your status is in your industry and that you might be a public figure. No, they really don't at, at all. Um, which is the beauty of it. That's what's, that's mm -hmm. what, that's why, that's why those are the people you want to be around. Yeah. That's why I said the other day, like I get freaked. I used to get freaked out when people would call the radio show that I did and they would use my nickname and I knew that they were friends of mine on a personal level and the guys that don't give a crap about any of that. And it would, like, freak me out because I'm like, you know, on the radio, it's like, well, I'm, you guys aren't supposed to. I'm not supposed to cross the streams like Ghostbusters, you know?
60% say no, the broadcasters don't make a difference. 40% say yes, the broadcasters do. And I would submit to you, if 40% say they do, then they do. Then that affects it. Like, even if 10% said they do, then that has an impact. Oh, yeah. Especially when you consider the mass numbers that would or will watch football. Look, a lot of those people, Ross, might be people that aren't diehard NFL guys. That Look, there's some people like me, probably like you, and like a lot of people that – if there's a football with an NFL shield on it on the field, they're going to watch, right? Because it's it's the NFL, so you're going to watch it. So, I mean, that's the way I am, and I don't turn it off because of the announcers, but I definitely it definitely affects my enjoyment level of the viewing experience. All right, speaking of that, did you watch any of the Combine last night? I did. I dorked out on it. <laughs> did you watch a fun, lot of it? A decent amount, yeah, uh, probably about 90 minutes total. Had to run and take care of a couple things and, and, and jump away from it a little bit, but I liked it. Again, like the NFL knows how to present its product in in every form of what it does. You know, we t- you know Jimmy talked about the schedule release. I love schedule release day. It's like the blueprint of your fall. You go, okay, here's when I'm available, and here's when I'm not available. All day Saturday, I'm not available, and all day Sunday, I'm not available. But you want to know when the games are, and you know you want to know when your team is playing its biggest rival. I love primetime games. I love the night games because I get the kids to bed, and I can just chill and watch it by myself. And I don't, I have no guilt watching at night because you punch the clock during the day or something like that to take care of stuff with the family in the fall. But I love schedule release day. I love the draft on television. I love the combine. I love it all when it comes to the NFL. They present everything incredibly well. Like you mentioned Good Morning Football. And Kyle, I didn't know Kyle was your roommate in college, by the way. And Kyle is great because he's cerebral and genuine. So the way they present the game to me, if I go to the right places, is perfect. And I can't get enough of it. Yeah, so Kyle's – so what, what I think is interesting about Kyle is – and this is a t- subject for another day, but he, he – was an actor like he was an actor in college yeah. in plays and then he so was on the real world and he was he was on days of our lives for three years so what i think is most entertaining about him is he does like basically skits you know what i mean like he does like skits on tv that you just don't see other people doing um i did not watch much of the combine i did watch the wide receivers run the 40 because I wanted to see if Henry Ruggs could break John Ross's record. It, you know, there's still just something there about seeing a super duper fast guy. There just is something like you want to see it. You want like, is he that fast? Is he going to break it? I do think it's funny though. And I pointed this out on Twitter today, all week, all the draft analysts said, it's all about the medical, all about the interviews, the on-field stuff doesn't really matter. And then Last night and this morning, this guy blew up the combine. This guy's going to be a star. This guy's rising up the charts. This guy had, like, you just told us all week it didn't really matter that much, and now it's like a huge deal. Yeah. Well, it, it's always a huge deal. And why do you love what? Like, I'm not a track and field fan, but if Usain Bolt's going to run, I'm in. You know, because they do something that 
you can't imagine a human being being able to run that fast. And it's it's all we love freak shows. And like these guys are freaks. Like anybody that even gets invited to the combine is an is a freak of nature in their athletic ability. And to play pro sports at that level, like the one percent of one tenth of a percent is what makes it. And those guys, they're not normal. There's professional. Sorry, Ross, you're abnormal. You played in the NFL. You know, that's that's not normal for people to be gifted athletically like that and real and be able to, you know, kind of nurture the gift that they have and be able to play at that level. Because you have to have the gift. You have to know how to develop the gift even further. And you have to have the mental capacity to be able to do it the right way. So you're not normal. Yeah, I mean, I mean, just looking at those dudes last night, they're all just so shredded. And to run that fast at their size, it's just, it's awfully, awfully impressive. So uh, I want to dive into this now. In your mind, let's start with, and again, we are comparing it to the live experience versus television. What are your rankings for the four major sports? For live or for television? For TV. For TV, football's number one, because and like Jimmy said and and Mike McCarthy said earlier, it's perfect because the rhythm of the game, you know, if you got to go to the bathroom, you got 90 seconds after a touchdown to go run and go to the bathroom or get up and grab another plate of nachos or whatever. So the rhythm of it's perfect. It's also perfect because if you're watching with someone, a play happens, you can discuss it before the next play starts. Could you believe that they they ran the ball on that player? Why why didn't they throw the ball? What are they doing? Why aren't they blitzing? They're getting no pressure on the court. You can have these conversations as a game. So no, football's number one, without a doubt. Number two, um, for me, is probably the NBA. Although the NBA does lack a little bit of, the, you know, the, letting me see the size differential of guys and the first step, which when you see in person, when you saw a guard like Allen Iverson or Russell Westbrook now. And that first step that they make it in person, it is unbelievable, the explosiveness. So the NBA is probably – I have hockey up there. A lot of people have a hard time watching hockey. Um, but to, I, I love hockey on television. I think it's done really well on television. I know it's hard for a lot of people to follow the puck, but I think if you know where the puck's going and you know what to look for, then, then that, that becomes less of an issue. So for me, that's not an issue. Um, I love golf on television. I, but but the NFL number one, NBA number two, NHL, baseball and television to me is background noise. You just put it on and you don't really watch it. It's like when you're at a game. When you hear the when you when you're at a game, you hear, then you know to look, because they actually hit the ball, right? Otherwise, it's like you're just kind of meandering around, smelling peanuts, eating hot dogs, and chilling out, drinking beer. So it's funny that you mentioned golf because I didn't even think about golf. Golf is much better on TV. Golf is number one on this list because if you've ever actually gone to a golf event, you don't even see that many, you don't even see that many shots. Like you can sit at one place and watch every guy tee off 17, or you can try to follow one guy for the whole round, or maybe you move around. I went to the masters one time with my dad when I was like in eighth grade. I think my dad was trying to get me, you know, to like golf more. And I was like, this sucks. First of all, I'm bigger than some of these dudes. I'm not impressed. You know, like I was watching. Secondly, like 
were walking all over the place to maybe see this guy's second shot. The coolest part about it was actually really early in the morning, like walking the course and like going up 18 and like seeing the course. um, Hills. Although that's the negative of golf, right? Is that you can't tell, especially like on the green, you can't really see how much of a of a bend there is or how why he has to hit it undulation left of the cup. You can't yeah, you can't see that difference. Yeah. So but it's still way better on TV than it is in person because you see so many more shots and the more important shots. I said earlier with Jimmy about baseball. Baseball, like I like the camera angle with the pat pitcher and the batter. And I like being able to see the pitch from behind come in, location, the batter. Even if you're like behind the third baseline, you can barely even see the pitch. And then you the guy the hits movement. it, and you got to like try to figure out where the ball's going. Whereas on TV, you see the pitch, you see the guy hit it, they immediately go right to where the ball's going to go. You see the left fielder or the second baseman. I, I don't know. I, I think football's pretty good in person. I think football is amazing on TV, but I think it's also pretty darn good in person. So I would say like golf one, baseball two, football three, and then basketball, and then hockey. Hockey television just does not do the speed justice at all. It does not do the the, – and you know what else is terrible on TV? Um, NASCAR. Yeah, I was going to go there. When you're actually there, like, and you see how fast they're going and how close to each other they are, much better in person than on TV. Yeah, like, when you go to Pocono Raceway for the first time, and just the smells of it, too, like, you can smell the gas and and the the rubber and everything, and then you see 43 cars come by you at 200 miles an hour, nose to tail, an inch from each other, and they come roaring by, like, you're like, whoa. It, like, shakes shakes the grandstand. And you're like, how is this? I don't get that on TV at all. You know, just watching cars turn left. But when you go to a race, and I've been to Talladega, Alabama. I've been to Daytona. I've been to uh, Richmond. I've been to all, a bunch of these races, Dover and Pocono Raceway. And when you go to those races in person, it is insane. Because you see, it, they go by, and it's a blur. The car's a blur. They're going 200 miles an hour, and there's 43 of them nose to tail. You're going, you, you get wigged out when you drive it on, like, 95, and, you got to pass. You're in three lanes, and you got to go in the middle of two cars. These guys are doing that at 200 miles an hour, like four wide. It's nuts. But golf. Wait a minute. To your point about golf. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say on the NASCAR thing, quick. I didn't know you were such a NASCAR dude. I'm not. I went for the party. We would t- when I lived in State College when I was at done school at Penn State, and we would take an RV down to Talladega. The last time I went though, we we drove like 21 hours in this RV, and it rained the whole time we were down there. And they didn't even have the race, and we drove back. I'm like, this sucks. <laughs> so we drove oh back. Oh, my gosh. So you went yeah. just for the party. It's like uh, the first time I ever went to the Preakness. I went to the Preakness a couple times in Baltimore. And yeah. the first time I went to the Preakness, someone said to me, you know, what would you think of the race? I'm like, I didn't see a horse the whole day. She <laughs> drank the I whole time. The I was in the infield just having a good old time. Yep. I, I said, I don't remember seeing a, one horse the whole game. I didn't bet. 
I didn't see a horse, but I had a hell of a time. Thank you for asking. Yeah. Well, to your point about golf, though, like that's going to 18 different stadiums in one, you know, because each holds its own entity. So watching it on TV, like they've done a really good job with golf on TV because you can watch the top groups on a Sunday all coming in at the same time and they're alternating shots and slight tape delay on a few if they're happening at the same time. And they've done such a good job of like a guy like Jim Nance up in the tower, handing it off to the guys at different holes. You know, let's go to Gary McCord now on uh, the seventh hole, or let's go to David Faraday at 17, David. And he's like, but useful shot here. You know, the whole thing. It's awesome the way they present it. So let's talk about how we can make any of these sports better. Like, what could we do? Is there anything we can come up with that would make any of these sports better on television? You love hockey. Is there anything they can do to make hockey better on TV? Yeah, like, use the GoPro technology more. You know what I mean? Like, we talked about Romo putting people inside the quarterback's helmet. Stick a GoPro on a goalie's mask. Let, let, this, let people sitting at home see what that looks like with a hundred mile an hour puck coming at your, your head and you have to come across your face with your glove to get it. Let people see what it's like in, in NASCAR inside the car as you're entering turn three at Daytona on a, on a bank that's 33 degrees in banking. You know, I want to, I want to get that player's perspective more. And I, cause to me with the GoPro technology, that would be the ultimate thing. Like in hockey, I want to see that. I want to see in all of these sports, put me in the field of play. Not the whole game, just for portions of it, or at least in replay. Like show me replays of how a goalie made some incredible save. And I think people are going to go, well, whoa, look at that. It's amazing. So, and everybody's a voyeur now. Go, everybody uses GoPro for everything else. Why not do it for that? Can you imagine, by the way, if they had a quarterback a helmet and every quarterback a camera and every quarterback's helmet? That yeah. would be pretty awesome to actually see where their eyes go, what they see, the chaos in front of them, the, all the moving parts with the receivers and the DBs, and then trying to throw the ball. Because what people don't realize is like how early they throw the ball. Like... Mm-hmm. Like this guy's running and he's about to make an in-cut and there's a guy in front of him, a guy behind him. And before he even makes the in-cut, the quarterback throws it to two yards in on the in-cut over one guy in front of another guy. And it's boom, right there. I mean, it is pretty, yeah, yeah, it's, it's pretty impressive. What about, are you a guy like, do you like Bill Walton calling a basketball game? Do you like, sort of the um, off-the-wall stuff. Because people either love or hate Bill Walton's tangents. Bill Walton, they either think he's unbelievably hilarious, entertaining, and they love it, and they tune in for him. Or I know people that really love the sport that hate it, and they want somebody's going to call the game, and they, like, turn it off if he's on or mute it. That depends on who the guy is. Like, I'm not a big fan of Bill Walton. I don't hate Bill Walton, though, either. But, like, Dick Vitale, that annoyed me because he's not an analyst. He's a hype man. He's like Flavor Flav. You know what I mean? Like, oh, baby, you know, all that crap. That's too much for me. Like, I don't like Gus Johnson calling football on Fox because it got – he got too insane. And, you know, the whole thing that – 
whoa, and going nuts about it. Like, I wanted more of a straight play-by-play guy. So it depends on the guy. There's some of them, the quirkier guys that I do like. But like, but like Gus Johnson as a play-by-play guy was too over the top for me. It's why I don't like Doc Emmerich in hockey because I think he makes a dump in sound like it's a Game Seven Stanley Cup winning goal. So I like to, I like my announcers to be a little bit more understated in their presentation, especially on television, because I can see it. You can't fake me out when I can see it. You can fake it out when it's on radio. You know, you got to be so much more descriptive on radio when you're calling a game, Ross. That like it, it's a totally different you know, like muscle group that you use to call radio as opposed to calling television because you have pictures and television. Yeah, I think our producer, Joey, made a really good point. He said, if it's my team, if it's my team, he hates it. If it's a random game, he loves it in terms of a guy like Bill Walton, right? Like if you don't care about the game, it's kind of funny to just hear him go on tangents and he's crazy and he did drugs and whatever. But if it's your team's game, it's almost like it's disrespectful to the game and to the players out there when you're talking about a Grateful Dead concert or whatever, as opposed to like what they're doing on the court right now. Yeah, no, you're right. Like, like I can, my game is serious business. Like, don't mess with it. Don't sit there and tell me about, uh, in Palo Alto, I saw the dead playing fire on the mountain. Like, I don't give a shit. But when it's my game, just give me the X's and O's. I don't have time for your, your BS. I want the details of the game. I want the situation. I want what needs to be done. I want A-level analyst work. And all that goofy bullshit can go by the wayside. So, Joey, that's actually, Joey, good job. It's a good point out of you. It's your first one, but it's a good one. It's one in a row, brother. It's a very, very good one. Outstanding job by Jordan, Joey, and Dylan, as always. You as well, Jason. Thanks so much to everybody for listening. Until next time, I'm Ross Tucker, home and home, radio.com sports original. Hey, everybody, it's Ross Tucker. Thanks for listening to the Home and Home Podcast. Remember, you can watch or listen live every day from 8.30 to 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time exclusively on the Radio.com app or on the web at Radio.com slash home. Home and Home. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 